Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur. You're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. Grindhouse audience, I have to talk to you this morning, because we've been leading you astray. We've been telling you to watch things that don't really glorify the soul. Oh Lord! Oh, we've been we've been telling you to listen to music that just might might not be the most enriching music for a spiritual life you're trying to lead. Preach on. Oh, we have. We've done things with our show that no man should do to his audience. That's right. And we've left you an empty vessel. We've left you feeling a void. I think there's there's something missing there. I think you can all feel it out there today. Mm, go on now. Listening go on. to this show. Well, today, this morning, on the Grindhouse Podcast, we'd like to fill that void. Hallelujah. We'd like to, to put something in there where you're saying, Lord, I've got Wait. nothing. I'm empty inside. They made me watch I, I, horror movies. They made me listen to metal Matt, music. They I Matt, talked about video games, Lord. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if we should we should equate religion with uh, putting something inside of a void. Yeah, that's what. Isn't that what they do? They got the, you got because you well, got because you got they like, do. apparently you got like a soul and you got to yeah. you got to fill it with the spirit. Um, there's been <laughs> enough of the church filling people with the spirit. I think for one day. No, but we but we uh, we do feel like. That we haven't been doing a good enough job for filling everyone's spiritual needs. We know you've you got know? got needs, and we're going to fill them. Um, there, <laughs> there, I do that. I'm doing it again. I got to stop with that. Yes, yeah, so, but <laughs> different analogy. So, <laughs> we thought it might be fun to talk about some movies that do fulfill a, a more of a spiritual need inside of everyone movies that have dared to take on a very difficult conversation which is that of religion spirituality the afterlife things of that nature yeah yeah that's um and we've also just got some uh, some movies about religion uh about, that's right uh what what happens when people start you know looking for answers where do they where does it take them what happens that's to right them? that's but, right so we so gonna share some with you yeah, so when when I was thinking about this list, I was thinking about well what what first off, what makes a conversation about spirituality? Listen, we there's all kinds of movies that deal with God or deal with uh, the afterlife or or gods. What I thought, Matt, I, for my list, I would break down sort of the quintessential spiritual questions that people have and movies that that aim to answer those questions. Hmm, I like that. That's cool. I thought I'd just uh, take a look at some, uh, uh, probably a few cult movies, some Christian documentaries, and um, oh. uh, pretty, and, and and then I and then I, I and then I just went real weird, and I actually watched one of those like uh, Hollywood style uh, Christian uh, fantasy epic sci-fi movies that they've oh. been making lately. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but uh, no. There's a there's a big yeah there's there's some stuff going on where uh, Christian film companies are starting to oh. try to make like uh, cinematic style you know action and 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 uh, I I don't know if you want to say sci-fi or fantasy or what because it's well I've never it's because uh, it's religion but they're yeah. Um, yeah they're trying to make movies uh, for the Christian audience that kind of like compete with uh well well I'll get into it later this that one's coming yeah. up though yeah, yeah. I have I have worked. Um, I'll tell a funny story to, to kick this off. I've worked on a couple of these, what they call them. They like to call them face, uh, faith-based films. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I used to do a little extras casting on the side. And I remember I worked on this one film called Seven Days in Utopia. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Utopia is a small town outside of, uh, in, in central Texas. And... Um, the idea behind the film was this sort of goth, this golfer, pro golfer, who who loses his way, and and through the power of the Lord and uh, Robert Duvall, he's able to get back on track with his spirituality and win the big golf tournament. 
pretty sure that's what it's about. Uh, the very one of the first days that people arrive, and they're like, um, "Hey guys, so this the, the investors of this film and the producers, they're all these uh, born again Christians, and so uh, let's just be uh, respectful and let's make sure we watch our language, and uh, you know, hold, hold a certain decor as we're around them." And so, as as legend has it, the first AD gets out of the van. All the producers and the investors are sitting there waiting, and he says, well, "God damn it, it's hot as hell here." <laughs> and that's the story of Seven Days in Utopia. Uh, well, that's so. There you get a little bonus movie audience. Seven Days there in Utopia. Go. If you like Robert Duvall and you like golf. <laughs> but uh, why don't you uh, start us off with uh, your first selection from your? Yeah. Are, we, are we doing five and five today? Let's just do five and five, and I might five have a bonus five. if we get to it. Well, so, another um, bonus. Maybe. Yeah, we have Maybe. Who knows what we're going to get into. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. So, so, you know, when we're talking about spirituality, there's several questions that one must ask oneself. And uh, the first one I'll stop or start with is, um, well, I think the, the big question that everyone asks is, how did we come to be? Right. Isn't that yes. really what all religion and spirituality is based around? And um, the movie that I think does the best job about answering this question is Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey. Okay. Yeah. The, the film that led a bunch of tinfoil hat wearing nimwits think that Stanley Kubrick helped fake the moon landing because this movie is visually so stunning. Um, and, and it's and it's heady. It's a weird concept. Right. So for anyone who hasn't watched it, there's these monoliths, these uh, artifacts that it's in, it's implied that uh, extraterrestrial advanced alien life have left on Earth. And these monoliths help advance human evolution throughout its history. So the very first monolith we see is um, presents itself to a, a tribe of sort of humanoid apes. And in seeing the monolith, they... They learn how to use tools, which then immediately lead them to create warfare. Yeah, bone, bone warfare, sort of cl apes clubbing each other with bones. Right, murder <sighs> and, and warfare and territory. And then uh, later down the line, some, some uh, astronauts discover a monolith buried deep within the core of the moon, which uh, signifies sort of a... Uh, humankind, Earth kind, taking its first baby steps into advancing off of its planet and into the uh, greater greater atmosphere, the greater cosmos. I like that baby steps because it it's like um, kind of has that uh, implications of like that that theory that like maybe the Earth is just our uh, you know just our, our womb right now, just the place right. we're, we're we're developing before we go and be born into this cosmos and exploration and all that good stuff that i honestly i don't i don't want to go to space myself really it, well it just seems a little little empty not a lot to do i mean well, who's, uh, the vi um, video games and, and tv shows would have us think otherwise that there's plenty to do in space but right it's pretty far to the next like think about like when you're driving i mean i'm out here in texas and like traveling around on t in texas you know it's like it looks awesome in movies but in real life you're just like going down the same road with the same you know field around you for like four hours at a time and so space would be like that times ten thousand well if you think about what the nearest planet is it's mars which is you know hundreds of thousands of miles away but i, I actually have breaking news for you matt yeah uh didn't know if you knew this but you know that the moon is actually part of mars uh-oh <laughs> Someone's been reading the president's Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> All right. Moving okay. on. Moving so, on. Yeah. Well, here, the thing about 2001 Space Odyssey that I love so much is that it tackles the question of who who was our the, – the idea of, like, you know, how did we come to be? Like, what what's the purpose? Like, why are we all here? Like, what what advanced us? These, these questions that people are constantly asking. And it, and it answers it with the idea that – the cosmos is filled with intelligent beings, and maybe some of them have come here to help us guide us along. Oh, that, that's all good, but doesn't that just kind of kick the question down the road? Because then you're like, well, where did those guys come from? You know? Um, I have to go back to one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite scientists, <laughs> Dr. Ian Malcolm, when he said, uh, life uh, finds a way. 
Oh, I thought you were going to quote the uh, that old uh, funny si- science story where the teacher's giving the lecture, and uh, I, I think it's supposed, supposedly it's really happened. But he's like giving this lecture on the, the origins of life and uh, the the um, or, you know beginning of Earth, the planet, how it was formed, and everything. And this woman tells him, uh, you know, everybody knows that the planet is suspended by an elephant on the back of a turtle, or it's the or it's like a turtle on the back of the yeah, elephant. right. And he says, well, what's beneath the turtle? And she says, it's turtles all the way down. Hmm. So I thought, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, it's basically, just, it's the same thing that happens whenever anybody tries to say the origin of, a, of, of life started with some, you know, creator. Because essentially what you're advocating, I'm sorry, is, is a bit of a creationist story. Well, not me. Maybe. Kubrick. Kubrick, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh I've got uh, a uh, fun uh, documentary series from Netflix that came out last year called Wild Wild Country. Mm. Uh, have you seen this? No, I haven't. Man, it's the coolest. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a little backstory though that's that's not in the film, but just kind of that kind of sets the scene for where a lot of what's happening in American spirituality and in, in the in the world in America right now, and, and kind of explains a little bit of how this kind of story starts, but like. Think of uh, like the 1950s. You had like the Red Scare. Right. You had McCarthyism, and we had this Paul McCartneyism. No, uh, but we had this forced conformity in America, where people were genuinely afraid to um, have a different religion, to act different, to dress different, because anyone that would be seen as communist would be, um, you know, blacklisted. They wouldn't be able to work. Right. And maybe even arrested. Yeah, you could be accused of things. Uh, so it was a very scary time in America. And what it did is it ended up, you know, we all st- we still hear it today. This America is a Christian nation. You know, I'm sure you've, someone's told you that. Uh, oh, yeah, many times. Yeah. And so. Um, Usually as they're throwing holy water on me. <laughs> well, well, in the, t- in the time of McCarthyism, it, it pretty much was like they were pretty much right. You know, it was like America better be a Christian nation or we're going to report you, you know. Right. So uh, after. It, after that ended uh, in the sixties, you had this like uh, spiritual revolution in America where people started getting into all kinds of different religions all over the world, looking for gurus. Uh, a lot of uh, some of, some of our most famous uh, American cults started rising out of this time period because people were just looking for things to follow, you know, new, new yeah, paths. Right. Like they, they were finally, f- we, we finally had the, you know, religious freedom we were supposed to have again. Right. And well, it so, sounds like this time period that you're referring to is the time period that people often impose when they say, um, make America great again. Uh, this is the time period that they actually want to get back to is this sort of 1950s McCarthyism, uh, purely Christian segregated country. You really, I want to tell you, stay away from that guy's Twitter account, man. It's, <laughs> it's going to mess with your head. Uh, so this is a documentary about a movement that grew out of that time period where a bunch of Americans went to India to follow a man called Osho. Mm. Uh, he was a, uh, a writer, a spiritualist, uh, very famous, like a rock star over there, really. I mean, this guy was driving in an armored Rolls Royce, or being driven in an armored Rolls Royce. You know, he owned many of them. He had a huge following. And Wild Wild Country is the story of what happened when Osho's entire movement of you know thousands of people and all of this came to america because uh he got so big in india that the government started to feel threatened and they started getting this uh, there was an attempt on his life and they started to get this idea that something was going to happen if they didn't get out of india and uh so many americans over there were now part of the movement and they started advocating you know well we've got uh, religious freedom because of our constitution in America. So we should all just go to America. So they right. found this place in Oregon near this tiny town, this like, I mean, 80, something like 80 acres out in the mountains near this tiny town. And they just bought it all. And so now the, the townspeople near there are just seeing all these people in red robes, just flooding into their town. And it, I mean, they just completely took over the region and started this, they wanted to build their own city, this, uh, this uh, perfect commune based on the spiritual teachings of this man. And, um, you know, and he was there in the center of it. And he had this assistant named Sheila, who was just like, amazing. Like, I mean, not, she wasn't necessarily a good person, but like, it's one of the, as far as, I don't want to say a cult story, but as far as American 
religions, which often turn into cults. Like as, as far as these kind of stories go, this is one of the more lighthearted and fun ones. I mean, like it, okay. it I will say some people do get poisoned, but it's not in the Jim Jones, you know, listen, everybody listen. took Kool-Aid and forced, but it's, but it's people did have to, they did take sedatives. They didn't intend to take. We'll just say that. I don't want to give any spoilers well, away, but like you, if you, if you didn't get poisoned, were you really even in a cult? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if you could call us a cult or not. It's, it's some of it. What they did is really cool. But then at the same time, it was like, they took over that area, you know, and it was just like, have we're you, doing this. Ever, you know? um, I mean, it's ever heard the, the, I think I, I might butcher this, but the joke about what's the difference between a, a religion and a cult. Uh, what? Whether the leader is still alive or not. Oh yeah. Yeah. I could see that. <laughs> uh, but no, this is, I don't even know if it was a religion. It was just a spiritual movement. It's hard to explain, but, um, what, what, ha- I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's that same story though. It's like, we start with just doing breathing techniques and growing our own vegetables. And before you know it, we're building bombs and buying machine guns. And, right. uh, that was, that's what happened with them. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, wild, wild country, Netflix did a six part documentary series. The, the soundtrack is awesome. I mean, the footage they have from this time period is amazing. I don't, you just have to see it. It's a hell of a story. And, right. uh, well, anyone who yeah. knows me knows that I am intending to start a cult at some point. So I, I could use it. I could watch it to get some tips at least. Yeah. You'll learn a bit about what to do and what not to do. And listen, listen, let's make sure it's wild, wild country and not wild, wild West. The, um, Will Smith, uh, the Will Smith film yeah. <laughs> with a giant robotic spider. We don't want to watch. Don't watch yeah. that. Film. Don't get confused. That's not the right one. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it, with my Matt last movie selection, Matt, you, you brought up an interesting question. If, if we're saying now aliens created humans or evolved humans, then what created aliens? Uh-huh. And um, I don't know that it answers it, but there's a movie that's next on my list that um, attempts to at least, at least confront the question. And I'll preface this by saying a lot of people didn't like this film as being part of a franchise. But I thought from a philosophical standpoint, it was a really interesting movie. And that is uh, really Scott's Alien Covenant. Okay. This is the one they um, made after Pro- – I saw Prometheus. This is yeah, the one it's that came after, after Prometheus. That. Okay. I didn't see that one. Now, I think it suffers a little bit from the criticism of Prometheus. I think with Prometheus, it was very heady and there wasn't enough sort of of the, that alien vibe, the sort of um, hunter-prey vibe that the alien movies have. And so this movie has a bit more of that, um, a little bit to its detriment. I think I actually really enjoyed it being its own beast. If you if you remember the film Prometheus, a group of scientists find some cave markings that are supposedly the coordinates for God, or our creators, and they set off into space uh, in order to find these people, which end up being the engineers that we have had alluded to in the original Alien trilogy. So they get to it, they find an engineer, and the engineer. Uh, rips David's head off. He has obviously has intent to destroy humanity, and it ends with them heading off to the engineer's home planet to get answers. So that's where Alien Covenant sort of picks up on. Um, in it, it alludes that David and Doctor Shaw arrived at the alien planet, at uh, the engineer's planet, and he kills them all. Uh, Wagner's uh, Flight of the Valkyries playing as he's dropping all of this this black alien goo. And utterly destroys the engineer's planet. So it's very, it's got a bit of an, an Oedipus complex to it. Whereas, whereas David, who is uh, an android created by humans, destroys the creator of humans, and then and then subsequently goes on to create the modern day xenomorph, in this endless cycle of creators and and the creations destroying their creators. I think it raises some really interesting questions, you know. Are we bound to not only destroy our gods, but then take the place as the god we destroyed? Is Well, are you asking as if a god exists? Or are you, I mean, because if, um, if, well, if you're making if, the assumption, you know, if, if gods if are you're just sort of, things we make up with stories anyway, we've kind of destroyed a bunch of them already, haven't we? Like, Well, that's, yeah, that's an interesting thing, right? So if you sort of dovetail off of the idea that of 2001 space odyssey that we that human life is merely just the byproduct of more advanced life sort of guiding us along i think what alien covenant aims to ask is are we sort of doomed to us in this cycle of destroying our creators and then becoming creators ourselves it's just this, this endless cycle of evolution where the more advanced being 
helps along a lesser advanced being only to be destroyed by that creation. See, yeah, that, I think where they lost me was when I was watching Prometheus and uh, there's some part where one of the scientists, uh, they're, they're, they're pitching this whole idea of we found the, the creators of the humans and, you know, and, and he says, are we supposed to just throw away 200 years of Darwinian research? And uh, they're just kind of like, yeah, you know, stupid. And I thought <laughs> that is a concept that will go over really well in America where Darwin's right. not as respected as he is in the rest of the world. But like, <laughs> it was just kind of like, I, I don't know. It had a, I felt like the film had an anti-science uh, bias. And it, it definitely I can't has, get over it, man. I can't get over it. Well, I mean, look, the, the intent of the filmmaker was to focus on the idea of like humans' relationships with quote unquote God. Uh-huh. You know, maybe not a Christian God, but the idea of God as just being a creator. Yeah, superior and, being. Uh, yeah, and it and it and it doesn't really marry science and and creationism in a way that's that could have been done in an interesting way. I think. Yeah, the the second little like punch to the gut was like, I think about. 20 minutes later, that same scientist, the only guy that's going, what, what about all the Darwinian theory we've been researching right. and finding real evidence for tries to pet an alien snake and it ends up killing him. Do you remember that? He was like the dumbest thing. He's like, Oh, look at this. It's like a cool little alien snake. And it's like, we don't even pet earth snakes. What are you doing? And he just like reaches yeah. out, he like takes his helmet off and reaches out. And he's just like, Hey little cutie. And of course yeah, it kills okay, him. What, and you're just like, again, why is the only it, guy that brought up, the current scientific theory, the dumbest guy in the film. You know? Well, if you, if you take the standpoint that really Scott is firmly in the camp of being a believer. Oh, is he? Cause he I is showing. Yeah. It wasn't like this, the, the star in the movie and this, I'm talking about Prometheus, but was she like had something with a cross in the end yeah, or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it seems like he's trying to say that there's an inherent danger to scientific discovery that, that science is so enamored with discovery that it may be, doesn't um uh it, it can lead to unsafe consequences i mean think i think that that scene is meant to sort of signify like he's so enamored with this new this new discovery that he he foolishly goes to research it further to his own death well i if he if he thinks that he should see the film i watched last night oh yeah what's that i i was gonna save it for last but it's kind of in the in the same category of what we're talking about here the so you, if you think scientific discovery can lead us astray and, you know, and Ridley Scott's Prometheus God is the answer or whatever, I don't know, whatever the point of that movie was, <laughs> this is a film about how just, just little things we do on earth with science, you know, trying to make, you know, just little, little genetic, genetic modifications to food to try to make them grow be- right. uh, easier so we could feed more people. Shouldn't be doing that. God created no. those plants. And us GMOs messing the with devil, them. Hey. Huh? So GMOs are the devil, hey. That's the idea. So this is a film called The Second Coming of Christ. It came out in 2018. Stars Jason London and um, a bunch of no-names. Diana Angelton. I don't know, a bunch of no-names. Oh, uh, Jason London? I just worked with Jason London. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice. He was like the nice guy in Dazed and Confused, if anybody doesn't remember who this guy is. He was... Uh, the you remember there was all this, I don't know when the last time you saw Days and Confused, a Richard Linklater film filmed in Austin yeah. here, uh, but uh, he was like the nice senior that he's, didn't pick on he's, kids. Uh, yeah, he's Randall Pink Floyd. That's right. That was the name. Yeah. And so uh, so J- so he's in the film. He's um see he's a uh, geneticist too, I think, or some kind of scientist. I think he's the one that cured cancer. Cancer is cured in this film, by the way. Also, that's a bad thing. Apparently, I don't know. But he after becoming a billionaire, he decides to. Uh, He's he's taking the wrong path because he's not glorifying God. So he becomes a homeless preacher and just starts spreading the word of God as best he can without a home or any of his money because he gave it all away. And so, oh. but the the plot of the film is that basically because we made easier to grow food, that food start or that those plants started corrupting all of the plants and they spread oh. their uh, I don't know. Po- uh, pesticide resistant gene or whatever they spread to all the other plants and now are you sure this isn't the happening now no plants are growing not grass not trees nothing grows so it's a it's a plant boycott yeah they're done they're mad they're like you made some plants that weren't we were all made by god whatever you planted next to me was not i'm i'm not gonna grow 
and I'm going to kill my own seeds. So now no plants, no food. Mm. Everyone is starving. But guess what? The very same company that invented the genetic plants is, um, and CEO may or may not be Satan. You'll have to wait till the end to find out. Ooh. He is. Uh, they, they have an idea to make immortal bees. And the immortal bees are going to uh, make new plants for us. And then we'll all become immortals and live forever. And preacher Jason London knows this is not a good idea. And he's trying to stop this. And uh, it's all contingent on the the head scientist that works for the evil Satan CEO. um, She's Uh a woman that her, though her daughter is of the faith and a devout Christian. So you're, so you're telling me that a faith-based film made a woman the devil? No, 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 she was no. Uh, power. No, is a Middle Eastern man was the devil. He's the C- oh, the CEO course. is the devil. She works for him. But okay. um, so the the two bad guys are a Middle Eastern CEO who is the devil and a woman. Well, she's well, that's the thing. She she is her faith is under test. Like she's having a hard time. Her, though her daughter, who she may or may not have sold her soul to Satan to save her daughter's life when she was sick, but her daughter um, is uh, always telling her, you know, to have faith in Jesus. And she's like, science is what we should have faith in. I'm going to make immortal bees. And uh, so when she finally succeeds in the end to make the immortal bees, somehow that causes every single person on earth to die. And the only person left is Satan, the CEO of the it's so ba- wait, so it's Monsanto. It's basically Monsanto. So, wait, so, so Satan wins. Well, that's the thing. You forgot the title of this film: "The Second Coming of Who." Oh, that's right. Yeah, boy. So that's when Jesus comes back and starts giving this crazy speech, and Satan's like, "What are you doing here?" And then he just explodes, and then Jesus resurrects everybody, and they live on with a science-free, back-to-the-earth lifestyle on Earth forever. And uh, I guess that's better than what we had before Um, this film this in the description of this epically sounding film it's amazing uh, (laughs) i can only think of one thing there's a famous quote from maynard from a perfect circle and tool where he says jesus is coming the only question now is to spit or swallow that's gross, David. And and on wait, that note, hold on, goes, hold on, this is a, this like, is a good lead in. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just what what do you think of this though? Like this, what I just described to you, like because uh, it's, it's this dumb. is what it's totally dumb. And God, it's the production on this thing was terrible. But like, it's not dumb if you believe it. I mean, there are people out there. No, 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 no. It is country. dumb if you believe it. It is dumb if you believe the it. movie's not. It's dumb to believe it. But the movie, if you actually believe this stuff, is like. A really compelling version of how the end of the world might happen. Well, it's two things. One, there are, there's a whole multi-million dollar business of quote-unquote producers and companies that solicit and f- and fund these films and pay themselves based almost entirely on donations. Uh-huh. So you're right to some degree that they are providing because it's such a if you're if you're the most stringent believer in these kind of beliefs, there's not a lot of films out there for you, and so they are in that yeah. way filling a void. But also, they're using that to line their pockets. Make no mistake about it. Oh, yeah. Um, some of these companies I've, I, that my friends have worked for are terrible companies to work for. They treat their their crew horribly. Um, they pocket a ton of money. Uh, it's just make it, – but it, and it is a form of – it's still in a way, it's still a form of propaganda because if you keep people believing a certain way, they'll keep giving you money to be – to have that belief reinforced. Yeah, it's just true. It's true. So, uh, you know, we that film deals with the uh, the second coming of the Christian Jesus, right? And right. sort of further perpetuates the sort of religion versus science theme that even the Alien Covenant and specifically Prometheus sort of addresses. Um, but that brings me to my next sort of spiritual question that someone might ask themselves when dealing with this. Uh-huh. They're going to ask themselves how we came to be and then naturally ask themselves uh, what is God? The next question tends to be, who are we? Right. And the question and the film that I think best addresses that question is the movie uh, based on Chuck Palahniuk's book, Fight Club. Yeah, Fight Club does. Yeah. Okay. But the problem with Fight Club 
unfortunate. David Fincher's version of Fight Club is that um, most people miss the point of it. A lot of people misinterpreted Fight Club as being this sort of like pro-male banner for, for hyper-aggressive maleness, right? Toxic masculinity. When in yeah. fact, the film is very much a warning about toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah. It's addressing the idea that men have this sort of standard that they're supposed to adhere to that doesn't doesn't actually provide any satisfaction. Whether or not it's the line of you're not your fucking khakis, which you know we're in America, um, we're not we're not the places that we work. We shouldn't be defining ourselves by work hours, work rate, you know, materialistic things. But beyond that, the model in which men are prescribed to follow ultimately doesn't provide, doesn't provide deep satisfaction, and that um, the only time the characters have any sort of sort of happiness is this strong bonding between male figures. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Films like that, that, that have that, um, you know, modern life is empty, uh, you know, working a nine to five is empty, all that stuff. It's, I, I don't know. Whenever, whenever I see that message, I'm reminded of this kids in the hall sketch <laughs> where uh, a teacher walks into a classroom and he's like, uh, you know, he's their new substitute teacher and he's like this hip guy that's all you know, uh, alternative teaching styles. And he goes, you know what, what am I doing wearing this tie? And he, and he starts taking his tie off and he goes, Hey, there's no ties allowed in this classroom. What do you say guys? And everybody's like, yeah, all right. You know, cause all the students don't wear ties, but then in right. the back of the room is the one student that chose to wear a tie and he's got to take his off and he's not happy about it. <laughs> well, listen, there's some of that. You know what I mean? It's like, it, yeah, I, it's I like, do, what if, what if I, I like my Ikea furniture? What if I like my apartment? You know, <laughs> I sure, don't know. But I, I don't think, know. But, what, but I think it asks, but this is why the, this is why I would put this film in sort of that spiritual camp, because why do you like those things? Like how many people, I mean, there might be, I'm sure that there are people who legitimately enjoy the streamlined uh, uh, design of Ikea furniture. I'm sure there are people that exist. Yeah. But I don't know that that's most people. I think there are a lot of people who, who see it in a catalog. It's like the ideals of like what makes beauty, right? The question of like what makes an attractive man or woman? And is that something ingrained in us on a, on a sort of species level? Or is that because we've had this sort of propagated against us for so long that we just, we just assume that is the standard of beauty? And so how many people I – think, I think why this movie – is important is it asks the question do you really believe that ikea furniture like satisfies you on an artistic level or are you just seeing it are you just buying into this idea that this is what you're supposed to do you know there's a there's a sort of sequence in the movie where he says you know i got out of high school and mm -hmm. i said hey dad what do i do next and he's like well go to college and he went to college and he said okay graduate from college what's next well go get married and he's like okay so he goes and gets married and he's like, well, what's now? He's like, have a kid. And it's like each of these life expectancies are supposed to deliver this satisfaction. Yeah. And, and it doesn't necessarily come from the act itself. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch of times. Like you have to create, you have to find the things that bring you satisfaction. It totally. Yeah. So uh, I just, I feel like it's one of those films that just like, it does that listing thing. You know what I mean? Like where it's like every, anybody's life can sound boring and terrible when you put it in that list, you know, like I, uh, you know, most you know, people's lives is boring. wake up every day, you know, uh, take a shower, shave, say hi to the fiance, uh, go to the post office, dropped off a couple of orders for Etsy, recorded my podcast, had a little wine, had a little coffee, you know? And it's like, Day, same that's my day that's what i did today by the way <laughs> so it's like yeah, but, you know but, it's just you know, like that average, kind of thing it's like uh, but the average person doesn't have tacked on to their day recorded a podcast drank wine at noon like had a uh, coffee like uh, these these podcasts are getting pretty common i'd say <laughs> a lot yeah, of people still 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 not in the grand scheme of things i think a lot of people we've talked about it numerous times a lot of people don't venture out and sort of take that risk to create something artistic to satisfy their soul and that they look they look for to purchase happiness. I'll bet a lot of people who you think that about would disagree with you, but I'm sure they would. That's their programming, man. Dave, you're a guy that likes music, right? I do like music. You got a lot I've been of known to uh, get down and boogie a little bit. Got a lot of records on the shelf. I do have, I do have a few. How many of those are Christian music records? I would say absolutely none of them. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because generally speaking, Christian music sucks. Okay. What I mean, if there was a Christian band that didn't suck? 
uh, are you talking about MXPX? No, of course not. What the hell, man? I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> are you talking about MXPX no, is great. I'm just going to stop you there and move and, and say what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a film called Danielson, a family movie. Have you ever heard of the wait, band? Wait, wait. The hold, Danielson? Hold Bef- yes. Before we get into Danielson, what was that band <laughs> that sung that song about being a Jesus freak? That was DC Talk. Yes. Yeah. DC, this film is not about DC Talk. I'm out. Of course it's not. That's all, that's that's crap, man. That, this is the, this is the misfits of the Christian music. Not like the band Can misfits. I don't I don't mean like higher. this isn't like the Glenn Danzig. But, but this is like these guys are the outcasts. There we go. That's the name uh, of another music group. Okay, these guys are the fringe of the Christian music world. All right. These guys are, they're a band. It's, okay, so this is a documentary about a band called Danielson. It's called Danielson, okay. a family movie. came out in 2006. And I I would have passed it right over, but I started seeing these names in the film, like Steve Albini, you know, the singer of Shellac and yeah. uh, Big Black, uh, Daniel Famous Johnston. Famous as well. What's that? Famous music producer as well. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Produced a lot of great uh, albums uh, for Nirvana. Uh, and, yep. Uh, Daniel Johnston, uh, Austin Treasure. Um Sufjan Stevens, who I, I'm a great songwriter. I like him. Uh, so I started seeing all these names and, and I'm like, what is this thing, man? So I started watching this film and it's like, these guys are out there. Like, this is art. This is for real. Like, they're not just like what you were talking about earlier, like producing propaganda. Like they're a real band that has a unique sound and they're doing their own thing. I mean, they are strange. It's the music's even kind of like abrasive and hard hitting, like industrial, but it's, it's okay. not industrial music, but it's like, it has elements of that but played on you know more natural instruments it's it's hard to describe their sound very hard but they are christians absolutely christians so uh like steve albini stars in the documentary he's he's kind of following them and interviewing them and talking about their history and stuff and they're, it's called a family movie because they're mo- most of the band are family members they're like oh, brothers okay. and sisters and stuff and um they what they do is uh they just have this crazy sound and it's I think the reason why they get so much respect from the uh, secular music people is one, they're very talented and very creative, but two, they are pretty much not allowed in the Christian music industry. They don't get invited to play festivals. They don't, they're not on the major labels. Um, They won't do a lot of things that Christian music industry expects, such as sell their albums for a premium price, uh, raise the price of their concert tickets, because they're like their opinion. There's a there's a part where the the singer of the band's being interviewed, and he's like, "What do I think of the Christian music industry? I don't think there is a Christian music industry. If there was a Christian music industry, that would mean there were free shows you could go to to get free food, uh, or very or at least very affordable. You know, small donation shows. I mean, if this was a if, there, if this was a real Christian music industry, it wouldn't be." this you know million dollar music industry it would be help helping people it'd be about helping people and that's what they do that's the whole point that's why they're a band they tour their their songs they know that that like jesus message is kind of off-putting and that doesn't reach a lot of people so they just write positive songs about like how to be a good person you know (laughs) i mean it's it's really cool i I don't want to just go on and on about danielson for too long but if you like uh kind of kind of strange music you know kind of experimental music and you want to hear a, just just see a documentary about some a really cool band that's like a we'll, we'll just say they're a theme band you know what i mean and that they're really about their theme man and they really take it seriously i mean danielson a family movie you're gonna fall in love with these guys they're great okay all right i'll definitely check it out well in in keeping with all the conversation about sort of jesus and saviors and things of that nature um, the next movie on my list asks that question. After we ask who are we and we've asked who are who is God and how we came to be here, inevitably we, we tend not to be happy with the answer of who we are. And therefore, we're looking for someone to save us from, from ourselves. Hmm. And so this next movie is sort of a parable about a, a savior of sorts. Messiah. And, and a, a messiah figure, exactly, a messiah figure. And, and that movie would be uh, Donnie Darko. Okay. Explain. In which uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal sort of essentially plays a, messi- a messianic character. He he's uh, he's pulled from his bed in the middle of the night by Frank the Bunny. Shout out to Frank the Bunny, uh, who sort of I mean you could look at him in the, you could look at the character of Frank the Bunny in two different ways, either, uh, either as a as a metaphor for God or maybe even the devil. But he informs Donnie that he only has that the world will end in twenty eight days. 
and um, the mu- the movie is is uh, it's deep and it's weird and there's time travel involved and so we could spend a whole podcast just trying to unravel that sort of wibbly wobbly timey wimey mess, but um, but generally speaking, in the end, spoilers, Donnie sacrifices himself Whoa. for the sins yeah. of his little community, and in fact, there's an entire sort of montage that's that's masterfully scored by a, an acoustic version of Tears for Fears. It's Gary uh, Jules um, doing that one. Oh, sorry, Gary Jules, Mad no, World. It's, yeah, it's Tears for Fears, Mad World, but it's Gary Jules doing that version. Oh, yes. That's what, yeah. Okay, yeah, right, right. And, um, you know, where all these sort of the, the major players, including the late, great Patrick Swayze, they're sort of, um, as Donnie is accepting his fate and, and allowing himself to be crushed by this uh, airplane engine, they're all sort of having this essential moment and 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 being confronted with their own sins and in that moment as they all sort of acknowledge it he then accepts dying for their sins and and sort of the the world is saved see i always thought the kind of the backstory of um, donnie darko was sort of like god made a mistake uh you know like he he made this whole universe but there are little glitches wormholes things like mm-hmm. that and that essentially when a 737 flies across one of these wormholes the one of the engines gets sucked off into the wormhole and lands randomly on top of this kid uh-huh. and so because god made a mistake he by using the sort of weird soul character frank the bunny he gives this kid the choice of like do you want to do you want to live on and see the consequences of what will happen? Or, or do you want to um, accept that mistake and, and die there with the uh, jet engine crushing you? And that that's, that that's the kind of idea. It's like he gets to experience, you know, the next seven or eight days. I can't remember of uh, consequences and uh, see if it's, if it's better, if he stay alive or if he, um, if he dies, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you could just go back in time a week, uh, would you change it if it was like a really terrible right. week, even well, if it means it, you I, die? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think pretty much uh, almost all messianic stories are essentially this idea that, that God created an imperfect world and someone is charged with a sacrifice in order to right that imperfection. Yeah, yeah. But in Donnie Darko, that imperfection is not so much oh we've fallen from grace but it's literally like there's holes in the universe uh you got to watch out for those (laughs) i kind of i kind of left some holes around it's really hard to do this some some unfinished uh, apparently uh god hires texas construction workers to build the universe and uh, still not completed hey buddy we have the (laughs) we have the best roads in america that's right it only takes 40 years to complete yeah that's because we make them right but but Austin's got some terrible roads while we're talking about it. <laughs> All right. I've got uh, a departure from cinema. Okay. A, a departure from uh, visual medium altogether. I'm, oh, I'm going I'm for intrigued. another podcast. Oh, lay it on us. I mean, sort of. It's it's, an, it's a documentary radio series, but they, they called it a podcast. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like podcasts like what we do. It's like open-ended thing that... Sure. But uh, this was... Um, I want to say there's like 10 episodes. It was... Well, so do you remember back in the 90s when uh, over there in your neighborhood out in California, they found that house uh, with all the dead people who had uh, poisoned themselves and they were all shaved heads uh, wearing the same clothes. Is that Heaven's Gate? Heaven's Gate. A group of web developers. Yeah, what's that? uh, the, The leader of the Heaven's Gate cult was from Abilene, Texas. Oh yeah, Marshall Applewhite. Yeah, yeah. that's right. They were. Te- they, it's true. They came from Texas. Him and his. Uh, he was the leader. There was actually two leaders. Uh, him and another woman. That um, they called themselves T and Do. You know, like uh, Do Re Mi Fa So La Ti Do. You know, uh, oh. and they. Um, so T and Do were the uh, supposedly the angels from the the higher level that were uh, here to find other people to bring to that higher level. And um, uh-huh. she died in the eighties, and. Uh, they had to kind of 
explain that, you know, why she died. And it was, she, she left her body behind, you know, she's still with us, you know, that kind of thing. But, but anyway, so she, uh, she dies and he has to take the, the remaining people, uh, you know, and some of these cult members have been with him since the seventies. And, uh, they, uh, they all went to California, the, lived there through the 90s, became one of the um, uh, premier web development firms in that area, actually. They made a lot of websites for a lot of famous, uh, a lot of businesses back in that day, in that, you know, that early internet days. Remember those, those like right. single page websites that had like a background with like stars kind of shimmering and- like Angel Fire? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So they, okay. the Heaven's Gate cult got really good at that, and they just lived as web developers for a long time until- um, they uh, that thing went down in Waco with the uh, Branch Davidian cult, and right. uh, they got a, they, that's when they got a little spooked. And uh, but fortunately, a uh, comet would be coming through our uh, uh, solar system uh, shortly after, and all they had to do was kill themselves to get on it and go to the next level. So um, so they took that opportunity, and that's when we all found out about them. Suddenly, we found out about You're these right. you know like twenty or thirty dead people. Uh, but this is a uh, it's really cool. It's a radio documentary. Um, uh, podcast uh, hosted by Glenn Washington. You ever listen to Snap Judgment on NPR? No, no, no. Oh, no. dude, this guy's fantastic. And so uh, he did this, uh, yes, the uh, ten-part thing on uh, Heaven's Gate, and um, it's fantastic. I, if you got some time to, you know, if you're well, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably listen to things. And I'm going to recommend it, man, because it's it's cool. And it's like I was talking about earlier, how that kind of spiritual um, search was going on in America, um, right? you can really feel that in the early episodes of this show where these guys, this man and this woman are just going around putting ads and papers. We're going to be in your town. You know, we're, we're here to sh tell you about aliens, come and learn about spirituality. And then when they leave town, four or five people just go with them. Uh, it's mm. yeah, it's really something. I think one of the coolest parts is oh, I can't remember where it was, but there's one town they go to where like, everybody at the convention just leaves their life behind like 20 people. Like it ends up making the national news, like 20 people just stop doing, having their lives and just go with them. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. But, but yeah, it's, if you ever wondered, you know, we all know about the suicide. We all remember that. But if you ever wondered what the origins of the heaven's gate and like what it was and how that kind of stuff happens, uh, check out the heaven's gate podcast. Interesting, interesting. It'll, it'll go perfect for my research on how to start my own cult. Stop it. <laughs> so, again, uh, sort of leading with this idea that, that spiritual films ask important questions that, that humanity asks itself. We talked a little bit last week at the end of our podcast about the idea of magic and certainly the difference maybe between um, Grant Morrison's idea of magic yeah. and Alan Moore's idea of magic. And um, in the conversation, we started talking about how magic and reality are sort of linked. And that made me think of one of my top favorite films of all time, certainly probably my favorite director of all time. And that is um, Alex Proyas's Dark City. Oh, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's great. Excellent movie, which had the misfortune of opening the same year as a somewhat similarly themed film came out. You might have heard of it. Uh, it was called The Matrix. I have heard of that. Yeah. Which, which, in some ways, tackled the same sort of questioning of what is reality and the idea of um, simulation and that humans are living on a simulation. I thought that Dark City did a, a, a better job of um, well, because The Matrix is essentially an action film in a lot of ways, whereas I think Dark City is more of a neo noir that um, sort of this idea that these, again, advanced beings are sort of controlling and humanity, that humanity is living in a simulation that's sort of based on false memories. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, in the ending of the film, Rufus Sewall sort of defeats the strangers and he's able to, uh, unlike The Matrix, which is, you know, The Matrix ends with the Rage Against the Machine song, Wake Up. I mean, that's pretty on the nose in terms of what its theme is. That we're all sheeple, man. Gotta yeah, wake up. Right. Gotta take, stop letting take, the corporations. Take that red pill, man. You gotta take, take the, the red, red pill, pill. man. You gotta <laughs> go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Whereas within uh, the the theme of the theme of um, Dark City, which is you know when when Rufus, uh, I forget his the character's name, but the actor Rufus Sewell 
defeats the strangers, he actually doesn't aim to escape because there is no, there is no escaping the simulation. But yeah, he uses the knowledge of it to shape the the dark city in in his images of of his own memories. And so I think there's the theme of controlling your own reality, of being aware that you can control your own reality, and that you can formulate the world in your image which again ties in with this idea of magic i think that the error the era that you talked about in um what was the movie was it wild oh, wild yeah wild wild country movie? uh uh where you, what i saw yeah. earlier just like that spiritual searching era yeah. in, Amer- in america yeah Ex- totally. exactly i think that we've actually we have some something of a revival of that i think that um you know to, to sort of tie in when we we're when i was talking about you know the um fight club and uh-huh. and sort of people being dissatisfied with commercialism and capitalism sort of becoming more more of a failure in the eyes of of a lot of people especially younger people and the sort of the conventions and the institutions that were built around us in order to bring us an innate happiness having failed us people are searching for things that are maybe a little older maybe a little bit more archaic esoteric and the idea of magic is becoming more and more popular because it focuses on the idea that the search for spirituality in, in a traditional method isn't going to bring you any any contentment and that we are our own gods and that we can create and shape our reality to be whatever it is that we want it to be. We don't have to wait for things like... Uh, the monoliths or the aliens or the, the traditional Christian gods that we, we in fact are our own gods and that within this world that we live in, there are certain rules and parameters, but outside of those, it's up for us to color, color within those lines. So I love it. I think it's, it's, it's definitely a movie that if you're, if you're looking to look at in a deeper sense, it's, it, it, it puts those questions right up there and, and, and it's visually stunning uh, and, a, and a beautiful film. It was a great film. I I, I want to say it. I, I don't know. I don't know if time will tell, but I, I think it might be even, you know, someday appreciated more than The Matrix because it, oh, it's vastly superior. To it's me. great. It's a great film. I, mean, I was amazed when I first watched. It. I think it was like seventeen when that came out. And I, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. Cool. I actually, uh, I was very lucky. I don't. I don't know if I would have thought to go see it myself, or maybe my dad, Diamond Dave. Shout out to Diamond Dave. Took me to go see it. Yeah. But, um, I remember I was very lucky and fortunate to see it in theater first. Yeah, I, wa- I watched it on a friend's floor eating a Little Caesars pizza. I don't know why I remember all that, but, but it's, yeah. it's just a, <laughs> a, a Jennifer Connelly's in it. Um, Keith or Sutherland. Well, I love what you're saying um, though. Or Richard O'Brien. Yeah, too, yeah well, Richard fact, O'Brien, our man yeah. from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, is in the movie. That was really cool. But yeah, I yeah. love what you're saying, man. If uh, and, and you're right, you know, uh, we really do get to kind of create our own way and. But uh, you know, if you're if you're gonna be your own god, uh, just just try to be try to be good. Though that's one thing I would say. <laughs> just behave. Most, mo- most times. <laughs> most of the time, yeah, yeah. Most of the time. So I next film I've got a film about some misbehaviors for sure. Oh, yeah. It's uh, this is a, this is another documentary, and this is one of the first documentaries I've ever seen. I'm talking. Oh. Little Matt was watching this, like when oh. he was just a little bit kid. Because little Matt, you, little Matty, uh, crazy hands, little crazy hands, little Matt, he had a uh, an issue that was um, concerning his his oh. parents and his community. He liked the metal. He liked he yes. There was music, he liked that heavy metal. There was music he was listening to that was going the devil's music. Going to send him to hell, and so they found a. A video series i guess the church let my parents borrow it or something i don't know where it came from but i am so glad it found its way to me it's called <laughs> hell's bells the dangers of rock and roll that sounds excellent. and good luck to anyone out there trying to find it i think it's on youtube i mean do your best because you need to see this it's like three hours long man and it comes from the um real to real ministries they're uh they're a uh, there's an independent ministry, uh, real R E E L. Uh, yeah, yeah, real to real, and um, it's 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 this guy Eric Holmberg, and I he's a really cool guy actually. I think he's like he's yeah he's obsessed with Jesus and all that, but like he he kind of talks about 
not in this, not in these days, but like lately he's been on, like, I follow him on Facebook and he talks a lot about like problems with the music industry and some of the, uh, like bad morals it supports. And, and it's not stuff like, you know, sex, it's, it's more like, uh, materialism and, you know, just, just a lot of the kind of shallower aspects of modern music he criticizes and, and he's, okay. he's a pretty smart guy, but like back in those days, he was just this like mulleted cool dude with a mustache. That's like, Hey man, should you really be listening to this song? by black sabbath you know and the so, answer to that question is, is absolutely absolutely and that's what i learned from his documentary unfortunately sorry sorry eric i know jesus is very powerful to you but when you're gonna make a movie that's just three hours straight of nothing but like the kick-ass music at its most <laughs> satanic like that, that i'm sorry man like and that, that's what my parents and you know the church didn't realize like showing me this movie it's like I'm just sitting there taking notes on like all the stuff I'm going to buy when I'm old enough to buy my own records, you know, because <laughs> it was so cool. I mean, it, we're talking The Cure, uh, The Rolling Stones, um, The Blue wait, Oyster wait, how Cult. Is the, how is The Cure satanic? Just their goth band. I don't know. Uh, okay. Depeche Mode. Uh, what else yes. was in it? God, I learned about Personal so much. Jesus? Huh? Personal Jesus? Actually, um, Blasphemous Love? Rumors. You know that one? Oh. I don't want to start any Blasphemous Rumors. Uh, no, he, he says God has a six sense of God has a six sense of humor, and when I die, I expect to find him laughing. It's not a if you're a God guy, it's not a great lyric to hear. I guess uh, so. ecstasy I, I was think, in that sh- uh, that that documentary. Um, I would think I would think they would take more umbrage with the line "I give in to sin because I like to practice what I preach." That's ah, what a good line. But yeah, it's a, a it's so much fun watching this thing, man. It's like a, I. Uh, I remember a few years back, a uh, local theater. Well, it was well, it's the Alamo Draft. It was like a national theater now. But back when, back when Alamo was still kind of small, they would do these things called Music Mondays, and they showed it. And they said this is like a like a broadcast from a planet where fun is illegal or something. <laughs> like I can't because really, because it's it's kind of weird. He's like in this like video studio, and he's got all these monitors behind him with all these different you know things playing, and he's going, "Let's have a look at this." And uh, He's just going over and over, you know, with different different musicians, different albums, just showing how if you listen to this, uh, it I mean, it starts out with a fake commercial for a Time Life. Uh, you remember those um, best? It's the Time Life best of this music. Uh, you remember those? Yeah, right. Back when we were kids, like, they now, had this compilation. Now you're listening to whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like now, now that's what I call music. You know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, right. And so it starts out with a fake one. And it's like, it's the best of hell songs. <laughs> and it just lists like awesome. 30 or 40 different songs that have hell in the title. You know, Hell's Bells by ACDC. You're going to go to hell by Megadeth. You know, <laughs> it's just going on and on. But it's really you cool. To, you might be able to convince me that this guy was actually a double agent uh, for the devil. I wouldn't doubt it, man, because he had one rocking mullet. So something was going on with him. But uh, yeah, if you want, I mean, and there's a whole section on backmasking, you know, where like they accident, oh, yeah. where there's uh, you play an album backwards and you get a satanic message like and dude, that part is hilarious. And they even kind of talk about like, what is happening here? Because we know these musicians aren't smart enough to do this on their own. So he explains how demons go to the music studios and like backwards record themselves into the music. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just a really fun thing. I still watch it today. I was fortunate enough, but back before YouTube, I actually found the entire uh, documentary on a um, this obscure file sharing platform that I used to be on, and so uh, I, I used to like just you know sit there and uh, drink and smoke weed and watch it back in college and just have a great time. And it's it's crazy because it's just this like three hour weird Christian documentary. It's just been in my life consistently uh which i probably shouldn't even be admitting that because that's that's a, well, that's weird Matt, of me but like <laughs> i really like it and i think you would it too. sounds like you were unfortunately led down a down a, the wrong path you've been you've had an embroiled life of sin and uh the devil's music well i, I gotta i influence. just i mean that's his music's better it's, yes, it's better music and, well, and that's the thing too well, we, it's like we talked about they, DC Talk. They give me this three-hour-long video, and they're like, watch this. It'll get you to stop listening to all your favorite music. And all I'm seeing is, like, the good parts of the video or the music. And yeah. it's way more fun watching this video than going to church. I mean, it's just like, don't – you're playing with fire, guys. Like, I'm not going to – 
if I can choose one or the other, you know, <laughs> so yeah, you so just I think, but uh, Hell's Bells, Dangers of Rock and Roll, man, check it out. Well, listen, I, I think I think to sort of summarize what this little spiritual journey of ours has uh, taken us upon, it's um, listen to the devil's music. Yeah. Uh, indulge in your sins and pleasures and uh, be your own God. Also, uh, if you do join a cult. There's a point where you're going to want to get out. Yeah, before the Kool-Aid. Yeah, get out before the Kool-Aid. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the 700 Club Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.